Et en terminant, je veux aussi remercier tous les bénévoles, tous les candidats-candidats, tous les travailleurs de tous les partis, mais évidemment avec un merci spécial à ceux de la CAQ, cette victoire. C'est beaucoup votre victoire! And that is why we believe it our most elemental, sacred duty toward you to defend the revolution, even at the expense of our lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And allow me to once again say socialism or death. Long live solidarity. Welcome to Voices of Democracy, a podcast exploring political participation and democracy around the world. I'm Kevin Sun. The two voices you just heard, each undeniably recognizable to their people, are François Legault and Fidel Castro, both addressing their population during extremely significant times. The context for their respective speeches is, of course, very different. François Legault is simply thanking his party members and volunteers for helping him win a second term in the Quebec provincial elections. While Fidel Castro is addressing the United States embargo on Cuba during the historically most difficult time for the Cuban revolution and its people. Despite the enormous differences in the context for these two leaders' speeches, both their expressions of gratitude hold the many differences and similarities between political participation and democracy in Quebec and Cuba. Welcome to Voices of Democracy, a podcast exploring political participation and democracy around the world. I'm Kevin Sun. The two voices you just heard, each undeniably recognizable to their people, are François Legault and Fidel Castro, both addressing their population during extremely significant times. The context for their respective speeches is, of course, very different. François Legault is simply thanking his party members and volunteers for helping him win a second term in the Quebec provincial elections, while Fidel Castro is addressing the United States embargo on Cuba during the historically most difficult time for the Cuban revolution and its people. Despite the enormous differences in the context for these two leaders' speeches, Both their expressions of gratitude hold the many differences as well as the similarities between political participation and democracy in Quebec and Cuba. In fact, I found no better way to introduce my topic for this podcast than to play the clips from these speeches side by side, because behind the contrasting elements in their speeches and behind almost every word of their speech lies the differences in the economic and political histories of Quebec and Cuba, but also the current economic and social realities of these places. Cuban socialism and its participative democracy are such complex and developing topics that I find Quebec can learn immensely from. So, 
my question was, what are the differences in the political participation and democracies in Quebec and Cuba, as well as some other Latin American countries? And what can we learn from Cuba and even apply to Quebec's political landscape? Now, I don't want to get too ahead of myself in answering this question because I will be getting into my findings and what these differences are and what these two speeches mean to each other. But first, I wanted to introduce the topic of political participation more broadly and describe the format of this podcast and what you can expect during your time listening to it. During this first episode, I will convey the reasons that motivated me to conduct this research and record this podcast, as well as the relevance of my study to current research. I will also give a picture of what the current research on Quebec and Cuba's political participation looks like. Finally, I will mark out a clearer definition and introduction to what I will be discussing. What does political participation and democracy mean? As we will find out throughout this episode, there have been and still are as many ways as one can interpret political participation and democracy as we can think of. For this reason, this episode might be a more boring or dull one, but I insist that you give it your full attention because it is most certainly one of the most important ones. Political participation and democracy are such broad and large topics that without making vivid the meaning and definition of these concepts that I'm going to be proceeding with, the podcast will simply not make any sense. And you can stop listening before we even start. Now, for the second episode, it's where I find it gets the most interesting. The second episode is where I will give as clear an image and description of participatory democracy in Cuba based on my research as I can. What's even more interesting is that the third episode is where we will be introducing the two experts on Cuban democracy that I was so lucky to interview. Marta Nunez Sarmiento, a Cuban sociologist currently living in Havana, and Dr. Lauren Collins, who has done her PhD on participatory democracy in Cuba. Some of my research on political participation in several other countries, such as Chile and Brazil, will also be discussed in this episode. As you might have been able to tell, the bulk of my research will be presented in this episode, and I will try to do this in as engaging a way as possible. The third and final episode is where I find everything comes together. It is where I finally discuss what I meant when I introduced the two contrasting speeches from Premier Legault and Fidel Castro. First, I will be introducing the current state of popular participation in Quebec more broadly, and then tackle some of the elements that are relevant to comparison with Cuba. After that, the episode will be one largely made up of discussion. I will be discussing the many differences between Cuban democracy and that of Quebec's, and finally answer what Quebec might be able to learn from the Cuban Revolution, despite how different they may seem. Now, without further ado, let's get into it.
The necessity for such a study might not seem as obvious at first, but I'm here to suggest that the need for people to participate in politics is existent, and that participation of the people can be at the core of a healthy democracy. This healthy democracy can then, in theory, give rise to better living conditions and better freedom for people, more fitting to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The necessity for my research that I am here to argue for stems from the fact that I believe that if we are to adhere to the Declaration of Human Rights, many of these rights are not available to every person in Quebec. They are, at least, not guaranteed. Article 13 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights states that everyone should have the right to leave or return to their country and should be able to have the freedom of movement within the borders of each state. In Quebec, that right is guaranteed, in theory, because it is provided... Oh, my God. The necessity for such a study might not seem as obvious at first, but I am here to suggest that the need for people to participate in politics is always existent, and that participation of the people can be at the core of a healthy democracy. This healthy democracy can then, in theory, give rise to better living conditions and better freedom for people, more fitting to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The necessity for my research that I'm here to argue for stems from the fact that I believe that if we are to adhere to the Declaration of Human Rights, we can realize that many of these rights are not completely available to every person in Quebec. They are, at least, not guaranteed. Article 13 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights states that everyone should have the right to leave or return to their country and should be able to have freedom of movement within the borders of each state. In Quebec, that right is guaranteed, provided you have the means to buy yourself the proper methods of transportation, whether that is by bus or car or whatever means you choose to get around. Not everyone is able to afford the time or the money to go where they would really like to go. In many rural areas of Quebec, gasoline for your car is the only way you can ever hope to reach many places, and you are limited to however much your own money or whatever limited government aid can get you. Beyond that, your freedom of movement is very much restricted. People are often bound to the limits of their economic and social obligations. This thought experiment can apply to many realities observable in Quebec, like the right to healthy and adequate working conditions not being entirely guaranteed, as we have been able to observe with the horn smelter fiasco just recently, and an extensive history of unions in Quebec combating less than desirable working conditions. But I will cut myself off there for the sake of time. Basically, a package of other current global factors such as climate change, economic crisis, and Basically, a package of other current global factors such as climate change, economic crisis and uncertainty, rapidly growing wealth inequality, war, make it so these rights that we so enjoy are under even more threat in Quebec. And that's why I found it crucial to examine the one front line that we do have and that we might be able to work on, which is ourselves. So I turned to Latin America and wondered what would be able to learn So I turned to Latin America and I wondered what would we be able to learn here in Quebec from a region in the world that we know has had a historically active population not only participating in politics to better their lives but also 
in revolutionary processes that have created entirely different visions of democracy than we have here. If we can feel the threat of oncoming crisis in Quebec, why not turn to a country that has not only survived, but progressed through some of the harshest economic crises of all of America? What might Quebec be able to learn from Latin America, and especially Cuba, and their high propensity for having their population participate in, every pop in everyday politics? What might, what might Quebec be able to learn from Latin America? What might Quebec be able to learn from Latin America, and especially Cuba, and their high propensity for having their population participate in everyday politics? What strengths of popular participation in Cuba might we be able to apply in Quebec to pull? What strength of popular participation in Cuba might we be able to apply in Quebec to bolster a potential participatory democracy in Cuba? Now, the most perceptive of listeners would have noticed my mention of revolutionary processes bringing about entirely different visions of democracy and immediately thought of the Cuban Revolution. Indeed, alternate visions of democracy, like that of Cuba's, as I hinted at at the start of the show, is something that I wanted to dive into. So, what is... But first... What is democratic participation and political participation? And what do I mean when I talk about these terms? What am I going to mean when I will be talking about these terms? I already hinted at what I will be valuing going forward with the podcast as political participation and democratic participation when I explain my reasoning behind the study. I mentioned the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and I still find it to be one of the most useful ways to describe the meaning of participation here, seeing as how universal it is. Political participation is, in all contexts, we will be discussing participation from everyday people to provide themselves with, or have provided for them, the means to cater to their needs, no matter what nature these needs may be, as long as they are adherent to human rights. This may sound like a very Marxian definition, and in many ways it is, but it is also important to know that participation can have aspects that have a very broad range on the political spectrum. Public protests are an immediate example. The trucker protests right on the border of Quebec, the federal capital of Ottawa, may harbor many far-right sentiments and organizations, just as the recent May Day protests in Montreal call for class war and the abolishment of capitalism. The potential for such broad uses of political participation is one of the main reasons it is important to pinpoint what kind of participation can be productive for the betterment of Quebec society and the health of its democracy. But now, democracy will always, and has been quite, a tricky subject to get into, especially when talking about such a duality def of definitions that we're going to have, like that of Quebec's and Cuba's. Firstly, Quebec, as in most societies that we can classify as Western societies, here uh, Western, by Western societies we mean uh, Europe, the British Commonwealth, the United States, etc. We live in what we call, and what we can only call, a liberal representative democracy. This is where democracy is exercised by the people through elections where represent This is where democracy is exercised by the people through elections 
where representatives are elected based on their ideas, and these elected representatives carry out the supposed will of the people in government. This theoretical vision of democracy, of course, is undeniably the dominant one in the world, and the one we have present in Quebec, despite the presence of some forms of alternative democracy, but we will be discussing that later. However, an entirely different vision and application of a democratic system that has been largely overlooked is that of the Cuban Revolution. The workings and details of Cuban democracy is something that I will be talking about later, but first I wanted to finally give the definition of democracy that will be tied to this podcast by examining the literal meaning of the word. Democracy, made up of the two Greek words demos, meaning the people, and kratia, meaning rule or power, makes up a literal definition of the power of the people or the rule of the people. So, in the context of the definition that I'm using for partic political participation and participatory democracy, democracy is the power or the rule of the people to dictate the ways in, way the ways in which they provide for themselves. So, the definition that I'm going to be using for democracy in this context of participation and participatory democracy will be democracy is the power or the rule of the people to dictate the ways in which they provide for themselves or in which the relevant political actors provide for them the proper means to cater to their needs. The definition for both of these terms that I have given both have a decidedly Marxist tone. Obviously, we are talking here about um, means and needs and catering to needs based on people's needs. And this tone will be necessary. The definition for both of these terms the definition for both of these terms that I have given both have a decidedly Marxist tone. We are, after all, talking about needs and catering to these needs of the people based on their own means. This tone will be necessary for consistency as we will be discussing Cuba's political system, which is primarily geared towards a subservience by political institution to the needs of their people, which is a core tenet of Marxism-Leninism. However, it is po it the definition for both of these terms that I have given both have a decidedly Marxist tone, and this tone will be necessary for consistency as we will be discussing Cuba's political system, which is primarily geared towards a subservience by political institutions to the needs of their people, which is a core tenet of Marxism-Leninism. However, it is impossible to entirely adhere to such a Marxist-Leninist definition as we still have the context of Quebec's political landscape to consider. However, it is impossible to entirely adhere to such a Marxist-Leninist. However, it is impossible to ad entirely adhere to such a Marxist-Leninist definition, as the context of Quebec's political landscape requires me to always consider its liberal democratic founding. I will jump back and be expressive of this consideration. 
I will jump back and be expressive of this consideration according to the context in which I will be talking about democracy. Now, I hope you're still with me, but now that we have the thorniest explanations out of the way and cleared up, hopefully, I can dive into the system of participatory democracy in Cuba and see how it might potentially apply in Quebec. Next episode. By now, the subject of my research should be more than clear. And this was only made easier by the fact that this question has been tackled before in more ways than one. Research on political participation and democracy is extremely common, with comparative studies on student political participation in Quebec and Chile even lying around. Several different angles are used to approach the questions of popular participation, such as examining it at a larger national scale down to a more local one. Also, considering demographic specialties like immigrant or indigenous populations, as well as examining how youth shapes political mobilization. This last one is something we might address later. All in all, there is quite an established variety of sources tackling these questions of participation and democracy. This would only be natural considering how important and broad the subject is. However, within the resources that I have access to, it seems that alternative visions and systems of democracy, like that of Cuba's, come largely overlooked, as I was only able to find an article or two on the subject. This is why I decided to reach out to some experts on the subject who figure out, who figure much of the same thing about Cuban politics and a tendency for scholars to overlook Cuba. Helen Yaffe, Marta Nunez Sarmiento, and Lauren Collins were, were all able to offer me their resources and expertise, and I'm lucky enough to present some of my findings that should remain largely unique for the scholarship of Quebec. Now, not only do I have some of the thornier explanations of the podcast out of the way, I also have some of the more tedious academic segments out of the way. Next episode, I will be able to start getting into the real fruits of my research and illustrate what I find is inadequate. Not only do I have some of the thornier explanations of the podcast out of the way, I also have some of the more tedious academic segments out of the way. Next episode, I will be able to start getting into the real fruits of my research and illustrate what I find is inadequate enough picture of Cuba's political participation and its participatory democracy. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you in a bit.